of the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse! Thank you for joining us for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. As always, I'm your host, Matt Spectro, lifetime comic fan, lifetime animation fan, and you've reached the podcast that talks comic books and talks animation. Welcome to episode 95. It's a very special episode as we're beginning the countdown. To our two-year anniversary spectacular. Yep, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be counting down. We're going to be bringing back the five guests from my most popular episodes as we count down to our two-year anniversary episode. Let me briefly explain the rules, and we're going to get into it. Number one, comic books, animation. That's what we're talking about. Nothing needs to be said. Rule number two, big fan of the old team-up books, Marvel team-up DC Comics presents Marvel 2-in-1, so it's a team-up podcast. Every week, me and a special guest talking comic books, talking animation. Rule number three, most important, we gotta have fun. Without further ado, I'm gonna bring out my guest. He is the, he was the guest on the fifth most popular episode in the history of Matt Spectro through the multiverse. Welcome back, Francis. Hello. You are back here, and you're kicking off the countdown to our two-year anniversary. Yes, I am. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here, although fifth, that's a little low, don't you think? Well, it's funny you say that, because, I mean, the episode you were on, you weren't even the only guest, so I mean... So I was being dragged down by the other deadbeats. It makes sense. I think you're, you're trying to take credit for other people's work, but... Uh... It's hard to carry all this. I already got Matt on my back. Then I got to must have been Walker and who knows who else. Well, a little... Trip down memory lane, the fifth most popular episode in the history of my show was the last episode of 2021, where Francis, myself, and two other guests, we went back to the 60s and talked the Fantastic Four. I really think it's the popularity of the Fantastic Four and our other guests that really carried you to this fame and fortune that you're trying to take the credit for. So that was the episode where there was three and a half of us? <laughs> Something like that. But anyway, we're kicking off the beginning of our two-year spectacular, You're the fifth most popular episode. So when I brought everybody back, since uh, I'd be a fool not to let them get the driver's seat and decide what we're going to watch. So explain to me and the fans what you chose and what led you to that choice. Today what we'll be enjoying, one of the greatest cartoons of all time, the 1978 Godzilla cartoon from Hanna-Barbera. <laughs> one of the most the greatest cartoons of all time. It's quite a bold statement. The king of the monsters, the greatest of them all, the gorilla whale himself, Godzilla, must be the greatest cartoon of all time because Godzilla is the greatest monster of all time. Better than that stupid ape with a giant banana swinging King Kong. Only a fool, fool, would prefer King Kong over Godzilla. Let's get that straight right at the top. Okay, so first... You're taking credit for other people's popularity. Now you're breaking the rules of my podcast and not even picking comic book-based animation. Let me school you here, first of all, Junior. Endless 
anime and manga over the years have done on J- in Japan on Godzilla, as well as here in the States. Practically a comic book character in his own right. All right. Well, I'm going to let it slide as we get into it. And hopefully, uh, you have a big history also of messing up the audio on my show. So hopefully, you're going you're gonna to get it right this time. It's your equipment, pal. <laughs> so we're going to talk the king of the monsters, Godzilla. We're going to focus more on the cartoon, but obviously, we'd be, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't go down memory lane and talk a little bit about the history of Godzilla. First appearance back in 1954 in his own feature film from Toho Productions. Now, um, he's not, originally wasn't Godzilla, right? That's a, an American translation of his original name, correct? Yes, in Japanese it's pronounced Gujira, which translates roughly to Gorilla Whale. Yes, I read that. I, I, I did not know that until doing research for this episode, that Gorilla Whale is what that translates. Made, made sense to them, I guess. <laughs> and for anybody who uh, is a fan of this show knows, uh, I'm one of the best enunciators in the world. So really going to be some great pronunciation on this episode. Listeners, I picked something Japanese for you. You're welcome. I hope you appreciate it. Now, I apologize to any of the people involved, if they're alive or their relatives, if I butcher the name. So correct me if I'm wrong, but Godzilla's... Credited creation is uh, Ashiro Honda, Tamayuka Tanaka, and Iji Subaria. Iji Subaria. Subaria. Okay, those are the three credited people that also the creator of Ultraman. Really, I didn't know that. And uh, Ashiro Honda, I believe, wrote and actually directed the original film. Correct. Which uh, wasn't released in America until two years later in 1956. Also correct. Many- Slightly edited. <laughs> Yes. And many things have been spoken about the, the significance of Godzilla, the what he represents, what he's a metaphor for. Do you uh, buy into that, or do you think he's just a gi- big giant monster wreaking havoc? No, Honda came right out and said it's um, allegory for nuclear war. They weren't coy about it. And you can't really, I, some people, have, you brought him up earlier, the Kong comparison. I mean, King Kong came out like 20-something years before this, so I, I don't think anyone can really say Godzilla was a ripoff or a... Uh, answer to king kong there's such a gap between those two films that the only thing they have in common is they're just both giant monster movies i'm sure somewhere in the back of their minds hey someone did a giant monster movie once that's a good idea the controversy comes in a few years down the line when they ill-advisedly had king kong in a movie with godzilla (laughs) where he was completely outclassed showing up and made to look the fool do you remember the urban legend of years and years about there were two versions of King Kong versus Godzilla and the American version, King Kong one, and in the Japanese version, Godzilla? That was like an urban legend that went on for decades. Yes, that is that was a thing, and it's not true. Um, and then, yeah, he had a huge hit on Japanese culture, movies, toys, comic books, everything you can name over the last, what's it been now, uh, 60 years? Yeah, pushing 70. 70. <laughs> and um, I could be wrong. I might have missed one or two, but I believe there's been 38 Godzilla films produced. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. This is the Godzilla expert we got over here. I'm not a numbers guy. That's what you got Walker for. <laughs> I remember first seeing them on Creature Double Feature back in the in the day on Show 56. I got to ask, because I have not seen... I've seen a lot of them, but I, there are, I have not seen every single Godzilla film. What is... I don't know if I want to say best or favorite of the entire franchise. Some people's favorite isn't necessarily the best, but a lot of people's are. So 
What do you think is uh, your favorite film of the entire Godzilla franchise? Hard to pick a favorite, but there are some definite eras of Godzilla movies up through the 70s. The end of the 70s was one era, and then through the 90s, they revamped it. And those are movies are really good, but they're really different than the original movies. For me, a lot of the, like you, I saw it on Creature Double Feature, and they showed a lot of the 70s era movies where Godzilla was the friendly friend of children, and there was no real plot. He was just fighting aliens and monsters all the time. So I have a lot of love for that era of Godzilla. But also the 90s revamp was really spectacular. And actually, we've had a real MCU shared universe kind of continuity to it that the originals didn't have. So that was very good in its own right. And then in the last 20-odd years, there have been some very good movies and some very bad movies and some very strange movies. I mean, that was a long-winded way to not answer my question. <laughs> so you can't even pick a favorite or what you would consider the best? I mean, Godzilla vs. Megalon's classic. Godzilla vs. Monster Zero. Uh, for the longest time for me, Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah was my favorite Godzilla movie. Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah. King Ghidorah, Monster Zero, the same two movies. I haven't seen it in a while, though. I'm not sure if I watch it now, if I would have the reference for it I did at the time. But that one, I, I was a big fan of Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah. Yeah, right in there were that a bunch of movies had King Ghidorah and Gigan and uh, a couple of movies there. Those two were in a couple of them. Those are really spectacular movies. The human story was actually really good and fun around them smashing stuff as well. So, and of course, the Mecha Godzilla, the two Mecha Godzilla movies from the seventies, are spectacular. So, it wouldn't be the Brian Cranston one, you wouldn't say. It's okay. I've heard a rumor that Americans make Godzilla movies better than the Japanese. Yeah, you heard wrong. I'll give this credit to Godzilla King of the Monsters from a few years ago that had Rodan and Mothra and King Ghidorah in it. Absolutely freaking spectacular. Head and shoulders above any other American Godzilla movie, all four of them. But <laughs> Godzilla vs. King Kong that came out a couple years ago was actually a major step back. Despite Becca Godzilla being cool in that, a major step back from King of the Monsters. That movie, fantastic. When King Ghidorah first shows up, one of the best Godzilla things I've ever seen in my life. What is the, uh, if you could pick, the worst Godzilla movie ever made? Son of Godzilla gets a lot of, gets a lot of love. <laughs> I don't know if anyone saw recently the latest Japanese movie, SG Godzilla, or Godzilla SG, I can't remember what it was. It's one or the other. It's very strange, and it's like a political procedural comedy of errors where every <laughs> once in a while they switch to a shot of Godzilla just walking in a straight line, selling nothing. And it's just really long and goes nowhere. And subtitled. <laughs> All right, so we're going to get into the cartoon. We're going to travel back through time to uh, the late 70s. At this point, 78 pre-spice, there hadn't been a Godzilla movie for three years. Terror of Mechagodzilla was the last Godzilla film, 1975. And, Fantastic. Um, for whatever reason, I don't know, the lust, the, no, not the lust, <laughs> the luster, the shine had kind of worn off on Godzilla, and they kind of took a brag. In fact, there, it was 10 years without a Godzilla film. Well, remember, as over as Godzilla was in America on Saturday afternoons and whatever, is a cultural icon in Japan, so it's Godzilla everything. Top to floor, toys, 
beach towels, cartoons, everything. So, I mean, they actually got kind of sick of it after a while. If you can fathom this, when the TriStar Godzilla movie came out in the 90s, which was a pure abomination, <laughs> it was the biggest Godzilla movie in Japan in years. They loved it. It was a top box office hit. They thought it was spectacular just because it was different. Well, what are you saying? I mean, the monster comes out, Godzilla comes, beats him up, and leaves. That, that formula got old after a while. Not for me. So, uh, on comes Hanna-Barbera. And um, Hanna-Barbera was notorious for cranking out not only original stuff, but always looking for things to base cartoons as well. I believe it was Joseph Barbera who was more high on doing Godzilla than necessarily William. Not that William had a problem with it, but it was more Joseph's idea is what I'm saying, I bet. The show was on NBC and developed by... Uh, Dick Robbins, and Dwayne Poole. Now, originally, Joseph Barbera supposedly had wanted to follow the formulas of the films more, but they ran into some issues. Some were, uh, someone had suggested the films are a little harsh for Saturday morning cartoons. His response was that was adding Godzuki to lighten things up a little bit. Godzuki loosely based on, is it Manila from the movie Son of Godzilla? Yes. Okay. Very loosely. Um, and, but of course it was just that continuing annoying trend of stupid animal sidekicks, which cartoons love, which I can't really stand. He's the love child of Godzilla and Scrappy-Doo. <laughs> now, the other problem we ran into was standards and practice. Godzilla could not breathe fire. Godzilla could not step on cars or buildings. So right there, you got three things. You're kind of handcuffing Godzilla at this point. But other than that, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? So then they had to obviously, which we're going to get into a little bit more, develop how is this going to work as a as a kid's cartoon. You can't just have, you got to do 22 minutes. You can't just have Godzilla show up, fight a monster and nothing. You had to kind of create a supporting cast, which we're going to get into a little bit more. So um, how long has it been since you, for me, like I discussed before we started recording, I didn't watch this cartoon in easily 30 years, maybe even longer. Uh, it's been quite a few years. I do own the DVDs that they released some years back. They only did season one, right? They didn't do everything. They did season one on three DVDs, and they'd never released season two, which is really annoying. I haven't dug far enough to find if you can find them through other means, but it's worth looking. So Hannah Bavera did what Hannah Bavera does, and they fell back on the old, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, group of ragtag, either teens or teens and adults, adventurers, scientists, to go along with our boy Godzilla. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Made him more green. His scales are more of a triangle as opposed to the different shaped uh, things as he has in the... What do you think of the uh, character design? It's it's a little more dinosaur to me when I look at it. Well, I mean, this is a Hanna-Barbera cartoon. I mean, it's going to it's gonna be Hanna-Barbera-ized. And it lasted for about three years, but uh, didn't um, bring Godzilla back to the mainstream as you thought. It, it was four years later after it went off the air before we got another Godzilla movie and the classic Godzilla 1985. Well, maybe they should have shown it in Japan. We would have got one a little quicker. Here's a crazy thing. This thing was on from 1978 to 1981. Listen to all the name changes it went through in that time. It was the Godzilla Power Hour, the Godzilla Super 90, just Godzilla, the Godzilla Globetrotters Adventure Hour, the Godzilla Dynomutt Hour, the Godzilla Hong Kong Fooey Hour. I can't think of a more fitting team-up 
and the Harlem Globetrotters, and Godzilla. This probably explains why I love Dino Mutt and Hong Kong Fooey so much. <laughs> I was like, well, they really tried to read. <laughs> I was, really, they should have him team up with Shmoo and Fred and Barney, and then uh, we just had a, a complete that, thing going on. In my research, I found they were actually going to do that at one point. <laughs> instead, 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 they went with Fred and Barney. Now, if you remember the... the it was going seven- to be Godzilla and the thing, and then Godzilla and Shmoo. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you're know anything about animation or you're older like we are, Saturday morning cartoons were a lot bigger deal. So uh, it was kind of a big deal when you had this thing happening. Now, Toho was did give permission. It wasn't like a renegade production. Toho was... Oh, no, they got paid. Yeah, they got paid. They didn't really have much creative involvement. They just got paid for them using the character of Godzilla. So, it's also why no one, none of the other real monsters should ever show up on, and they made them all up because they you have to pay for everyone if you want to use them. So Yes, plus I believe... Which is disappointing, but uh, you had to pay for the signature Godzilla scream. Yes. As a result, he never does that in the whole cartoon. Which is a real bummer. So you can actually copyright a growl, I guess. Technically, it was made with a cello, so technically it's music. (laughs) So we're going to go back to September 9th, 1978, The Firebird, which is... <laughs> a thinly veiled based character on the character Rodan. Looks and sounds and acts nothing <laughs> like Rodan. Rodan originally appeared in his own film, 1956, uh, created by uh, Ken Kuranara. Oh, and I also wanted to earlier, um, since I said it, that uh, he was loosely based on God- Son of Godzilla, that Son of Godzilla was created by uh, June. Fukada? Is that Fukada. Fukada. All right. I almost got that right. All right. So like I said, the Firebird. We're going to go over the cast. First, the man himself, Godzilla. He is voiced by the late Ted Cassidy. Voiced, I guess. (laughs) Made the noises. Now, Ted Cassidy was Lurch on the original Adams Family. Um, And he also uh, voiced Galactus on the 60s Hanna-Barbera FF cartoon, Fantastic Four. Bizarre that they got such a high-profile guy to basically just come in and make screams and growls. Really plays the type. He's really tall, kind of ugly, and doesn't talk much. Godzuki. He's not mentioned. I don't know if they ever said this in the episode, but all my research says he's Godzilla's cousin. I saw a nephew, but who can tell? (laughs) So somewhere along the way, Godzilla has a a sister or a cousin who gave birth to Godzuki. I I like to think of him as his idiot nephew. That makes more sense. Now, Dan, the late Dan Messick did the voice of, uh, the voice, the sounds of uh, Godzuki. He's a legend in the uh, voice, well, he was, unfortunately, he's no longer with us. Legend, he had done such uh, classic characters as Papa Smurf, Bam Bam on the original Flintstones, Boo Boo on Yogi Bear, Dr. Benton Quest, and Gloop and Gleep. Now, this one was weird. I found it listed as this is the first appearance of Brock Borden. Has this character shown up in other Godzilla properties? Not that I know of. <laughs> well, Brock Borden is uh, one of the two teenage sidekicks. He's voiced by Hilly Hicks. Some of his claim to fame was he played Lewis Harvey in the uh, Roots miniseries. He also played Robbie Robinson in the original 1977 Spider-Man pilot. Now you're talking. Uh, the other child, uh, Pete Darian. He's voiced by Al Essaman. This guy, I had to dig deep to find some credits with this guy. He was in the movie Meet Wally Sparks. 
This is a great movie. A great movie. <laughs> great Rodney Dangerfield movie. Okay. I don't think I ever heard anyone in my life describe Meet Wally Sparks as a great movie. It's he also. Great line. What's your favorite bird? The swallow. <laughs> he also did a voice in the uh, film, well, film, the special Peter and the Magic Egg. I got nothing. Now, the leader, the, the head of the everything, the, the Dr. Benton Quest of the show, Captain Carl Majors, captain of the, what is it, the, the Calico? Is Calypso. The, Calypso. We're going to get, remind me, I have more on that later on, but uh, he was uh, the late Jeff David did his voice. Um, oh, no, excuse me, the Calico. Calico, okay, all right. I thought that's what it was. Look at this guy. This is the expert. Twice he's a bumbling Led me down a wrong path. Uh, Jeff David, the late Jeff David, his voice. He had done. Uh, he was Doctor Bradley Shaw on Spider Man and His Amazing Friends, and uh, he was on on the second season of Buck Rogers. He did the voice of the robot. Is it? Uh, I don't know. Crichton. Does that sound right to you? Uh, what? Buck Rogers. That was Twiggy. Uh, there was apparently another robot in the second season. Well, it was the future. And uh, Doctor Quinn Darian, the aunt of Peter Darian. Uh, Brenda Thompson does her voice. Couldn't find a lot of credits for her. Nothing voice acting. She was in the movie They Came From Outer Space. And she had a guest appearance on Murder, She Wrote. And the character of uh, Dr. Quinn also apparently showed up on an episode of Harvey Birdman Lawyer Law, at Law, but under a different name for some reason. <laughs> so basically, you have, we're going to get into it more, but uh, you have this ragtag group of scientists with their teenage... Well, with her nephew and this other teenager who... I, he was... Brock was the her research assistant of Dr. Quinn. Ah. Uh, so he's like... Why he's always staring at screens and pushing buttons. So he's like an intern. Yes. And they are friends with Godzilla and Godzuki. Yes. All right. Not sure what to expect, but Franny and I are going to watch Godzilla the Firebird, and we're going to talk about it. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Actually, I prefer Millennium Bug. That bug will wreak havoc on anything that uses a computer. The stock market will crash. Power grids will fail. Captain Major, call Godzilla. You're right, Pete. He's the only one who can help. What the? Captain Major, what's happening? I don't know. Carl. Did you remember to update the embedded microchips? Carl? 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 He's rude. He's cruel. Well, I'll tell you one thing, honey. You should be the head nurse. And he can't be subdued. Now, why do you say we all get naked and see who the best man is? No! Meet the lowest thing. Is that a compliment or what? To hit the upper class. She's ready now. Rodney Dangerfield in Meet Wally Sparks. I don't believe in casual sex. I'll keep my tie on. Rated R. Starts Friday. The We must stop Godzilla before he destroys the city. Oh! 
What could he want? Unless we find something to appease him. We're doomed! Hold out, hold out, for the out of the ordinary. Hold out for Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper! Meanwhile, at the Podcast of Justice. Up from the depths, 30 stories high, back and hopefully you just watched Godzilla the Firebird gotta say <laughs> I don't know where we're gonna go from here theme song stupendous amazing amazing <laughs> up from the depths 30 stories high breathing fire <laughs> Godzilla Godzilla amazing amazing now have they ever established an actual height for Godzilla in any of the classic films as tall as he needs to be. <laughs> and take in mind, um, one thing I noticed reading reviews of this, and it's pretty obvious watching it, uh, his size can be pretty inconsistent depending on the situation. It's very malleable. We open on an island where there's a volcano and there's two scientists, but they don't know why they're monitoring. There shouldn't be any quakes. This volcano's been dormant for millions of years. So why are they there monitoring it? <laughs> I don't know. But it starts, looks like it's going to erupt some fire. Uh, well, we're not getting lava quite yet, but smoke, and it looks like it's going to happen. And uh, they try to make a distress call, but the lava, it causes waves, which crashes their boat, so they can't get off the island. Oh, no. And then out of the volcano bursts the firebird. Giant red pterodactyl-looking <laughs> bird who looks nothing at all like Rodan. <laughs> None whatsoever. Then we switched to the boat. What did we uh, we establish? It was the the calico. <laughs> the calico. Now I don't know. Maybe this is just me being cynical, but I swear this was designed to sell toys. This boat has like a helicopter that rides on it. A little rubber raft has all these accessories. Got a hovercraft. Yeah, they can't tell me this was not designed with the idea of making a toy based on this thing. And yet, unfortunately, no toys. Peter is having a conversation with Godzuki on the back of the boat, causing all kinds of havoc. Apparently, he can understand him, even though Godzuki just does, like, stupid sounds and whatnot. But it's like the old Chewbacca thing where he'll go, and then, yeah, I understand what you're saying. You're right. I like that movie as well. They actually explain this later in the episode. <laughs> but uh, they're rough waters, feeling uh, like Godzuki's feeling a little uh, seasick. So uh, right off the bat, we're getting some hilarious comedy out of this sidekick i can tell already i'm gonna hate this character as uh, the longer this cartoon goes yeah you said the same thing about needle on the conan episode <laughs> and he ended up saving the day so they uh they're gonna get hit with a giant tidal wave that these uh because brock has noticed some tremors on his little handy dandy uh, quake monitoring thing always looking at those screens and they're gonna get hit with a uh tidal wave they're gonna need godzilla so what do they do they pull out the godzilla signal watch this yes. is stupid how did you guys get the detention of the King of the Monsters? How was this thing made? How does it? How did this ever come about? You've got a renowned scientist and Dr. Quinn. You've got the boat full of technology. It all falls in line. It makes perfect sense. And Godzilla immediately comes out of the water. He's right there. He was just hanging out under, under the waves. He scoops up the calico in his hand and just lifts it over the wave and saves the day. 
Um, so I guess he was just hanging out underneath him, and he was going to stay underwater unless they hit the signal watch. He doesn't want to deal with Godzuki either. And they're all happy, and uh, Pete Daring says, Godzilla, isn't he terrific? Isn't he just? He sure is. Godzuki flies up to Godzilla because he's got those little wings under his arms. Little tiny wings under his arms, which allow him to fly even though he's the size of a Buick. Yeah, that's Godzuki's size is a little inconsistent as well. Sometimes he seems like he's just like nine feet tall, but other times he seems like, like you said, like the size of a Buick. Godzilla's not impressed, though. He just literally blows him off by shooting air and it throws him for a loop. Poor Godzuki. Falls in the water and uh, they say, a oh, 10 point landing. And a wet one. You forget he splashed everybody standing on the deck watching this happen. At this point, I was just waiting for the laugh track to kick in. Godzilla does pick him up, though, and put him on the boat. Brock says, uh, you got to teach him to dog paddle. And then uh, Quindarian says, don't you mean monster paddle? (laughs) (laughs) So then Godzilla's like, all right, I'm out of here. He goes back underwater. Presumably, I guess, right under the boat like he was before. (laughs) They get the SOS from the island. So it's full speed ahead. Where... For some reason, Godzuki is flying with him, not just riding on the boat. Because he was slowing them down because he's so heavy. Uh, okay. They hit the hydrofoils and they go high speed. They get to the island. They rescue the scientists who are on the, uh, on the shore. We find out that this could cause every volcano dormant to erupt. A contagion effect. We have to stop this. They're going to use the helicopter at this point that's on the, the boat. And then Rodan pops out of the volcano. Yeah, except somehow flying around said volcano in the helicopter, they completely miss the giant red pterodactyl bird <laughs> popping out of the top and screaming at them. And uh, we get some uh, reused Super Friends music in this scene and other scenes, by the way. And also everyone runs like they're part of the Scooby-Doo gang. <laughs> they, certain, they certainly do. So they figure they got to get to the bottom of this. So they got to travel. They found a cave that go, and they're going to travel into the volcano through this tunnel. Not sure I want to go into a now active volcano which has a giant red pterodactyl in it. They don't know about the red pterodactyl because somehow they missed it. Oh, and also, yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> captain does say, this is not a good idea. Why are we doing this? But the scientists want to forge ahead. Um, the scientist, he's kind of intrigued by the fact that Pete can understand Godzuki, even asked him about it. And he says, and I quote, it's not understanding, it's more knowing what he's thinking. Well, <laughs> Godzuki's not exactly a deep thinker. And that point, then, Godzuki flies off. He's going to follow the helicopter. He wants to help save the day. So we got a shot of the four of them, the, the one scientist, Captain Majors, Quindarian, and Brock going into the cave, and then Godzuki and uh, Pete going in after them. Godzuki can fit into this cave inexplicably. Well, I also like to point out at this point, there's an earlier scene when there's a discussion going on on the Calico where Pete, who's like 13, is driving the boat. Now Pete <laughs> takes it upon himself to chase after Godzuki, flying the helicopter by himself. Jack of all trades. He's a talented kid. So in the volcano, uh, they get further and further in. At one point, they get kind of trapped because one of the caves, uh, there's like a bridge of lava they can't go over, and one of the caves collapse. They see Rodan, the firebird, come literally out of the lava, so they're fascinated. This monster can survive in lava. Put a pin in that idea. They can't get out. That They're kind of trapped, but uh, 
at one point, Pete's yelling and the laziness. First, we had rehash Super Friends music. At one point, there's absolutely no background. It's Pete, and it's literally just green. Well, then you're in the ground in a volcano. I mean, how, how much detail you want? It's a cave. It's dark. They do manage to fly on Godzuki over the lava and escape the tunnel and escape the island. And then, once again, they hit, because Rodan comes... The Firebird comes out of the lava and they call the signal watch to get Godzilla back. Now, at this point, kind of a face off with just a lot of screaming from Godzilla and Rodan. They're just about 50 feet apart, just both yelling and screaming. That's <laughs> standard Godzilla practice. They start getting to a little bit of a brawl. And then Godzilla shoots laser beams out of his eyes. Yes. What that, the F? <laughs> that was a thing <laughs> in the cartoon. He doesn't have flame breath, but he shoots. He's got heat vision, apparently. Maybe it was a case of Godzilla could breathe fire, but he couldn't breathe it on people. But I can't imagine a situation that would ever come up in the first place. In any Godzilla movie ever, did he ever shoot lasers out of his eyes? Not as such. So they get into a big fight. At one point, he tries to escape, and uh, Godzilla's digging into the volcano to get him. Get a lot of cheering from the peanut gallery. They're all like, yeah, come on, Godzilla. Wouldn't you cheer? Uh, yeah, I probably would. At one point, <laughs> Rodan sneaks up on Godzilla. They start screaming, look out, he's behind you. <laughs> and we actually get a shot of Godzilla with his back to the camera, and he's looking around, and he can't see this giant pterodactyl flying in the sky. At one point, the island almost splits from the action. Godzilla does do an awesome bit where he whips Rodan with his tail, which was pretty badass. And... <laughs> You see the amazing reaction by Rodan, or the firebird, after he gets the tail whip. He lands on the ground, and he hangs his head in the most dejected way possible and just slumps his shoulders for like two seconds like he's just so sad. <laughs> and um, he snaps back to it, and they go back to the fight. Then knocks Godzilla in the ocean, and then Rodan, or the firebird, flies away. But they can track it. Yes. It's heat, it's heat signature. Heat signature. And it, uh, it goes to the Arctic. And uh, we're getting a little precursor to climate change here because this yes. is going to cause. Well, remember in the 70s, we're all going to die by an ice age. Yeah. So. <laughs> so I guess this would have been a good thing, I guess. But he would have, they, they know it would cause havoc because he, he's going to melt it because he's so hot. Somehow they get the conclusion that he, she must be going to the Arctic to lay eggs. Now, this is one of the two things in this scene that completely baffle me. It lives in a volcano. It's splashing around in the lava for who knows how many millennia. But it wants to lay eggs, so it goes to the Arctic and lands on a snowbank. Also, everybody on the boat is wearing a sweater or a coat or a turtleneck. <laughs> Brock, that man among men, plain white t-shirt, nothing else. <laughs> Tough as nails. It is a little strange. This thing has lived. They, they're established it can live in lava. It's been in that volcano, they think, for a million years. Lays its eggs in the Arctic. In the Arctic. Well, you know, Godzilla comes in, gets a little more screaming between him and uh, the Firebird. It's a process. Godzuki, at one point, tries to get between them as like a mediator. Doesn't really work. Uh, they fight underwater, which was, a, I'll say, that was a pretty awesome scene when they're fighting underwater. It is, but let's unpack this for a minute. Rodan grabs him, the Firebird. And holds Godzilla, king of the sea monsters, 
who lives underwater until you hit the signal watch and tries to drown him. That happens. <laughs> and I'm not sure how, if you put a bird underwater, it could just gracefully maneuver just like it was in the sky, like this bird gets to do. I'll allow that he has some ability to swim fast with the big wings, but he's underwater. And as we're about to find out <laughs> in this cartoon where you can't step on cars or buildings, painless murder happens. Please continue. At one point, he's backed him into a cave and a rock falls from the land into the water where Godzilla gets the great idea. Ah, I'm going to trap him in this cave with all these rocks. So the firebird kind of just sits in the cave while Godzilla just stacks rocks above the cave, trapping him forever underwater. To drown. To, uh, uh, to apparently drown, yes. I should say, I think Godzuki knocked the first rock into the water, which gave Godzilla the idea. Yes. So Godzuki gets the assist on that one. And uh, that's it. He saves the day. Godzilla goes off, saves the day. We end with uh, Godzuki can't get back in the boat because he has to be punished. He says, even uh, Pete says, oh, Godzuki, when are you going to learn? And we get a final shot of the calico going, dragging a rubber raft with Godzuki sitting on the rubber raft, following behind the calico. And there you have it, Godzilla the Firebird. Uh, before we uh, go any further, I forgot earlier I wanted to give credit. Uh, Ray Patterson and Carl Urbano directed this episode. And apparently, from what I can gather, a whole room full of writers came together with this dreck of a show. <laughs> there it is, Godzilla the Firebird. Definitely not Rodan. <laughs> well, it was kind of an interesting trip. I hadn't seen this in uh, quite some time. Very... Hanna-Barbera, I'll say that. It certainly was. You know, it had the repeated animation, reused music, the old formula of the, the group going together on their little and getting in little adventures. How, before we get into any, like, ranking of the cartoon, stack this up compared to as an adaptation of Godzilla. Uh, you know, it's, it's a pretty wide net, the history of Godzilla. You can, <laughs> you can probably find something marginally close to what they did. If it's, why not? There was a whole decade where Godzilla was the friend of children, literally. So, I mean, he might as well have just piled around with some little baby Godzillas and children and had adventures. I'm not super high on the, uh, on the design itself. He's a little too green and a little bit too dinosaur looking for my... And the eyes, there's something wrong with the eyes. He looks... Well, he's very, very Hanna-Barbera cartoon eyes. So I'm assuming the formula, you have the DVD of the first season, is Monster shows up, Godzilla shows up, fights Monster, beats it, and that's pretty much every episode with wacky Basically. adventures from Godzuki. Basically, yeah. The Calico just floats around the ocean indiscriminately, setting who knows what because they never say, and then they run into some sort of menace, which turns out is the work of some new monster with some gimmick. And then Godzilla has to come save their ass. And I don't know if this is pre-cartoon-based like cartoon based toys, but this lends itself to a toy line like you wouldn't believe. You can get the boat with all the accessories, have the four characters, and then do Godzilla and do like, a monster every week. You would think, but at the time, the only Godzilla toy around was the Mattel Shogun Warriors Godzilla. And, interestingly enough, they also made a Rodan. I remember that. <laughs> So, yeah, that's kind of weird. But this was also pre-He-Man, like he -Man, G.I. Joe, Transformers. Yes, this was that sort of... So the toy line based on a cartoon wasn't quite a thing yet. Yeah, it wasn't quite a thing yet. It was 
you got sometimes you got toys for your cartoons. Sometimes you just got a cartoon to fill a half an hour on Saturday morning. So on that note, we're going over our ranking system. We're going to the spectrometer. Anyone new to the show? Every week we rank what we saw. Four spectros being perfection. Zero spectros being absolutely awful. Franny, how are you going to rank Godzilla the Firebird? Well, Godzilla, in general, for me, is one of my all-time favoriteest things. This period of Godzilla, when we were all both little kids, I'm sure you were the same way. Saturday mornings, Channel 56, you watched cartoons, you watched WWF Wrestling, and then you watched the Creature Double Feature where they showed you two Godzilla movies. And this is right in that sweet spot. So I'm going to be completely biased, and I'm giving it four Spectros. Five if there were that many. Fantastic. Four Spectros. Operatic in its greatness. You beast. You, I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to retract that. Perhaps in. on a technical point, maybe it's three stars. But really, it's four stars. Well, I don't think in the history of my show I've ever had quite a contrast of opinion than a guest. I'm going one and a half. What? This is terrible. What? Reused music, cheap animation, <laughs> stupid plot, dumb sidekick. Uh, the, the plus, the setup of the fights are good. The Godzilla fights themselves, I enjoyed. Thought they were well done. Godzilla theme song, amazing. Other than that, wh- what's really going on here? It's just another Scooby-Doo type thing with Monster of the Week, poorly done, well, ill-conceived, stupid jokes. Well, look, the plot of especially back then of a Godzilla movie was band of random humans find some sort of mystery. It leads to a giant monster, at which point Godzilla shows up and they have a big fight. 75% of any Godzilla anything is a Godzilla fight and great music. This has great music, great Godzilla fights. That answers the earlier question. It's a perfect Godzilla representation. And we really need to establish, I think, in general, a Hanna-Barbera guideline here because you can say that same thing about any Hanna-Barbera cartoon. It's basically a takeoff of Scooby-Doo and just with a different coat of paint. So, I mean, there's a baseline here. We have to appreciate I mean, at what point is nostalgia just, you know, stop carrying any weight? Like, it's really not a good cartoon. I won't say I don't. The reason I, uh, I might go as high as go is two because I wouldn't say I didn't enjoy any of it. It has a certain charm that a lot of things don't have. But it's not good. It is not good. It's really stupid for the most part. Theme song aside, it's really dumb. What can I say? I like it. Well, what did you think out there? You, could, you Did you like it as much as Franny? Uh, you couldn't have liked it any more than he did, but uh, you might like it more than I do. You should like it more than him. If you do, that's okay, though. Which uh, two guys sharing our opinion. So I want to hear from you. You can go to my uh, social media and let me know. You can find me on Twitter, at Matt Spectro. Follow me while you're there. And you can find me on Facebook. Matt Spectro through the multiverse. Give me a follow and give me your opinion of Godzilla in general, but also Godzilla, the Firebird. Well, it's been exciting to have you back for the countdown to the two-year anniversary episode. You didn't even rank last year, so we must be honored now to be in the top five, even though two other people carried you. Everyone's heard the episode. It's the fifth most popular. It's out there. People understand what was really going on there. They saw what I had to work with. They could have done no better. 
So you think you should get extra credit because you had to carry people on your back? As Absolutely. Well. And if you believe me, if you saw who I was carrying, you know it's a heavy load. All right. Well, we're going to get to the uh, free plug time of our show. The floor is yours for any plug away. Of course, as always, visit my eBay store, Static Vintage, where unfortunately we have no Godzilla merchandise at the time, but we have lots of other great stuff that you would love to have. Yeah, what a marketing genius you are. You you pick the category and you pick something you can't even sell on your it's own eBay. It's dear to my heart. What am I going to sell? I got to keep it all. Well, I want to thank you for joining us for the episode five of our top five countdown to our two-year anniversary episode. I hope you'll come again. Maybe you'll be part of the uh, countdown to the three-year anniversary. Who knows? After this, I'm number one. Jamie Jamikowski, look out. I'm coming for you. So I want to thank you all for joining us. And uh, like I said, in the following weeks, we're going to be counting down to the two-year anniversary. Every week, we're bringing back a guest from our five most popular episodes. Next week will be the fourth most popular and also look out because we're going to be doing a giveaway with the anniversary episode. You want to pay attention for more details on how you win then and there. For any, any follow words on Godzilla or anything in general. Anything that's on your mind. Other than a hat. Don't listen to this guy. No thoughts. There's only I have thoughts. I'll give you a thought. Just a hat. That's, that's why I kicked the leg out of your leg. <laughs> <laughs> it's only 38 movies. About five different cartoon series. You should start today. Just watch all the Godzilla straight through. Come back in about three weeks. You'll understand that I'm right and Matt's wrong. And on that note, thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next week for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro through the multiverse. <laughs>